as Tim said during the announcements, and as I said at the beginning, that starting uh, next Sunday evening, we're going to spend 10 nights as a church looking at or, or re-looking at the Ten Commandments in a series called Just Ten. It's part of a, a, a national initiative where many churches are using between the 12th of September and the 14th of November to, to look at the Ten Commandments. And I realize that many of us are familiar with these uh, commandments, that they're written up around the walls and these creative posters that, that Stephen Wolf and thank you again, Stephen, for doing them for us. But these Ten Commandments were originally given to a nomadic tribe that lived in skin tents in a desert about 1,450 years before Christ. And I think it's, it's fair to say that, that lots have changed since then, a bit of an understatement. And yet, these Ten Commandments that are captured in something like 300 words, uh, certainly in our English translations, both in Je- uh, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, they, they form the foundation of our legal system. They're enshrined in the heart of our parliamentary structures. And they lie at the very core, many would say, of Western civilization. It seems that they have retained their relevance and their importance. Or have they? Or have they? Well, in preparation for this uh, series, we asked a few different people for their thoughts about the Ten Commandments. And Pete has very kindly put this together. And so, hopefully, if all the technology comes together, no. Oh, it will. Sorry, Simon was shaking his head at me. He's just doing that to worry me. Have a watch of this. Thank you. 
Edward and love for him. But he tells us that we want to show our love to him. This is really all we have to do. For all the love he's shown us, it's just some quite small list, is all he asks from us. Have no other gods before me. Um, the Ten Commandments are were given to us as God's standard um, to show us that we can never be good enough to get to heaven um, and that Christ was the only one that could ever come um, and keep the Ten Commandments. Therefore, he could die on the cross for our sins. Do not covet anything that belongs to your neighbour. Through the Ten Commandments are the perfect standard that we're never going to measure up to. And it's like the mirror to show us that we can never be good enough. And so there's no goodness that can be shown us out because we're never going to be good enough to get to God on our own. No ideas. So I would say yes, and very relevant for us today, and very important, uh, and I'd like to keep that in the Have a said, don't take the Lord's name in vain. for putting that together for us. Uh, I wonder if you were asked, without the posters around the walls, to name all ten, uh, could you do it? Uh, what I'd like us to do now is just read them together from God's Word, and I'm going to read them from uh, Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we'll read verses 1 through to 17, and, and something that we often do here at Windsor, and I hope it's okay, is that we stand for the public reading of God's Word. So let's stand together. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, your son, your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Please grab a seat. I think one of the the critical things is that these Ten Commandments were spoken by God. That's what the very first verse of Exodus 20 makes clear, that they, they came directly from the creator of life. And again, that's what verse 11 of that reading makes clear to us. So the source of the Ten Commandments is the source of our lives. And so these are not man-made laws. They're not just good ideas that were dreamt up by a group of people trying to lay down some guidelines for determining right from wrong or some ethical code of behavior. These are God's laws for all seasons, all centuries, and all cultures. And in the, if we in the 21st century want to, to know, and this was brought out, I think, in what, how many people respond, but if we want to know how to live, how to relate, not just to God, but to one another, and how to structure our society, then it's imperative that we, that we listen to and that we pay attention to the one who spoke our world into being. Now, the idea of God's laws for all people, for all time, doesn't appear to sit that well with our contemporary culture. Recently, uh, during the TV series, The Bible, A History, one of the episodes uh, featured the conservative MP, Anne Whittacombe, who looked at the importance of the Ten Commandments, and she actually suggested that they should be reintroduced. And she effectively argued that our country would be better off if we just followed the Ten Commandments. Commandments, And as part of that program, she went to interview Stephen Fry. And he was partly offended by the concept of commandments. Of anyone telling anyone else how they should live their lives. And he was also appalled at the idea that these commandments are still in any way relevant to a modern society. The interview is worth seeing. I know that James Greenwood has got a copy of it. And if you would like to see that episode, please speak to him afterwards. But Stephen Fry's perspective is is not unique. He's not alone in his thinking. There are many others who feel exactly the same way. Many others who would argue that the Ten Commandments are obsolete. And either they just need to be ignored entirely or replaced or at the very least modified in some way. Again, I'm not sure how many of you have read Richard Dawkins and the God Delusion. But in that book, he offers this alternative to the Ten Commandments. Do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. In all things, strive to cause no harm. Treat your fellow human beings, your fellow living things, and the world in general with love and honesty, faithfulness and respect. Do not overlook evil or shrink from administering justice, but always be ready to forgive wrongdoing freely admitted and honestly regretted. Live live life with a sense of joy and wonder. Always seek to be learning something new. Test all things. Always check your ideas against the facts and be ready to discard even a cherished belief if, if it does not conform to them. Never seek to censor or cut yourself off from dissent. Always respect the right of others to disagree with you. Form independent opinions on the basis of your own reason and experiment. Do not allow yourself to be blindly led by others. Question 
everything. It's an interesting alternative and actually quite biblical in places, which I think is fascinating. In uh, 2005, Channel 4 conducted a survey of the British public in order to determine the new Ten Commandments for the new millennium. And apparently 40,000 people took part, and John Snow presented the findings in a two-hour special on the 26th of February 2005, and seven of the original Ten Commandments were rejected. Only three were kept. Here is the modified list. Much more succinct. Treat others as you would be treated. Take responsibility for your actions. Do not kill. Be honest. Do not steal. Protect and nurture children. Protect the environment. Look after the vulnerable. Never be violent. Protect your family. Again, fascinating. And I don't think there's anyone here who's going to argue or take issue with any of those. What a lot of this reflection and interest reveals to me is that human beings know or at least they sense that some guidelines are needed. Some guidelines are needed, that some kind of moral framework is really helpful. And as people look around and they listen to the news and they read their daily papers, many would readily admit that society appears to have lost its way, that it's lost its bearings, that morally... We have reached a place where it seems we're all at sea, totally confused about right and wrong, and certainly very confused about who decides what is right and what is wrong. Can it really be left up to each individual to determine? Can it be? Is that where we've got to? Is it okay to go with the mindset that says, listen, see, if it feels good, do it, whatever it happens to be. And although that individual relativism may reflect popular thinking if we're honest most of us not necessarily saying all of us but most of us are slightly nervous and worried about the implications worried that our children and our young people are being brought up in a morally corrosive atmosphere where they're taught that in the name of freedom anything goes not that long ago the daily telegraph reported on a Gallup poll that observed how British people, and I'm quoting here, are filled with unprecedented gloom about virtually every aspect of life. Three quarters of people who were polled thought that the standards of honesty are worsening, and virtually everyone who was polled, 92%, considered that standards of behaviour are in decline. One month later, Gallup then produced what the Daily Telegraph called the morality poll where 72% of adults polled said how it is now left too much up to the individual to devise their own moral code. It was T.S. Eliot, I think, who observed that ours has become the first society to attempt to live without reference to God. And the result of that, according to one writer, has been an experiment not only in religion, but also in morality, because whenever you abandon an absolute deity... Well, that leads in time to an abandonment of moral absolutes and the gradual decay of a moral consensus in a society, according to one writer. And so, on reflection of all of that, it's no wonder then that people want to suggest, listen, we need an alternative. 
We need a modified list because that sense of moral decay that many people do feel reveals a deep desire. Listen, we need reference point points. We need certain guidelines. And yet what we want to share during the next 10 weeks is that we don't have to or need to create a new ethical framework. We actually need to reactivate the one we already have been given by the creator of life. The Ten Commandments, the God-given Ten Commandments are still relevant. They are still worth embracing and living. It is the Ten Commandments that provide the necessary framework for a decent and a civilized society. It is, as J.I. Packer has commented, it's the commandments that crystallize the basic behavior pattern that brings satisfaction and contentment. And in a sense, what we have here in nugget form, in a sense, is the wisdom that every one of us needs. And because they are God-given, that means they are laws of love. That's why they've been given to us. Because God is love. And in giving the Ten Commandments, God was actually revealing his love for mankind. He was also revealing so much of who he was in those Ten Commandments. And that, in a sense, is a whole other uh, direction we could go in as we look at those. And therefore, these Ten Commandments, because they are God-given and they're laws of love, they lead to freedom. They lead to freedom, which is something that I think we struggle to appreciate. It, it just doesn't quite sit right with us, this idea of laws being given to us for our freedom. And here's the irony, that we as a society, it would seem, want to get rid of the Ten Commandments in the name of freedom, and yet the price we have paid is our liberty. It's J. John who explains it like this. We have tried to push aside these old laws in order to have personal freedom, and yet in the resulting moral vacuum, we're no longer free to venture out at night in certain areas. We're no longer happy to let our kids play in the street. We're no longer able to have cars and homes without equipping them with alarms and high-tech locks. And in a particularly peculiar twist, we have come to accept the level of video surveillance of our actions in city centers that until recently was applied only to inmates in high-security prisons. You see... What we've got to appreciate is that law and liberty are not, are not in opposition. In fact, law is at the heart and can be at the heart of liberty. Laws don't restrict us. Rather, laws are given to us in order that we can be free to live in order and in harmony. As I say, that, that's not something that we particularly find easy to get our heads around. But God has graciously given us these Ten Commandments so that we could, so that his people could be free, free to live in a relationship with him. And so the first four commandments deal with our behavior towards God, and then five through to ten tell us how we're free to live in relationship with others, our neighbors. And so the Ten Commandments, we want to suggest during this series, and there's so much more to unpack as we go along, but the Ten Commandments are relevant. They are important, and therefore they are worth considering still. But as I introduce this series, I do need to say something, although I'm not going to say enough here, but I do need to say something just about the connection or the relationship between Jesus and the Ten Commandments. What we're not saying via this series is that if you simply keep and obey and live these, then you'll become a Christian. 
and we need to say that pretty clearly, they are not in and of themselves the way of salvation. Because that would mean writing Jesus out of the scripture. That would mean, in a sense, ripping the heart out of the Christian faith. We believe, and we've said it so many times, and we'll continue to say it, that salvation is by grace to those who believe, who those, to those who have faith in Jesus. God loved this world that he gave the gift of the Son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. So salvation is not found in simply keeping the law. Again, something we reflected on recently, and there's so much involved in this, I realize. But something that Paul wrote on one occasion, that if justification could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. But belief in Jesus and in his death on the cross is essential for our salvation. That's why we celebrated communion. That's why we as a church do this every single week. Because it recalls for us what Jesus has actually done for us in order to rescue us and save us. But that does not mean that the Ten Commandments are therefore redundant and no longer apply. Jesus did not do away with them. In fact, he made it really clear that he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it and the prophets. And so whenever he was asked by an expert in the law, listen, which is the greatest commandment? He quickly and immediately replied, love God. Love God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first, it's the greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And in a very real way, those two commandments sum up all the others. Jesus affirmed these values. In fact, during his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus elaborated on their meaning. He took them to a whole new level, something we will discover as we work our way through each of them. So, for example, in terms of the commandment not to commit adultery, we all know that Jesus actually taught that anyone who even looks lustfully on a woman has committed adultery in his heart with her. What the commandments do, and again, it was brought out by some of the people on the cliff, they make us aware of sin in our lives. That's one of the key roles of them. Because as Paul writes in Romans 7, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting was, which is the commandment we're going to look at next week. We're going to look at them in reverse order. I would not have known what coveting was if the law had not said, do not covet. And so the law, the Ten Commandments, reveal to us, they reveal to humanity where we have messed up, how we have messed up. They expose sin and they then direct us to Jesus, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. We need Jesus. We need these commandments. And one of the important things to bear in mind, I know some people have, have written extensively in this, is that there is a distinct difference between the law of the Ten Commandments, which were written by God on stone tablets, and also then the many other laws written in the book of the law, as Paul calls it in Galatians chapter 3. Jesus stressed, or sorry, Jesus did do away with so much of the latter. He did do away with the need of burnt offerings of blood offerings, of sacrifices, of the need to be circumcised. Jesus cancelled, as how Paul puts it, the written code by nailing it to the cross. But he did not do away with these as a pattern for life. 
Jesus stressed the need to love God and to love others. And the Ten Commandments, these basic moral laws of God's word, show us how a truly loving person will live. And they reveal how love itself actually works as we relate to God and as we relate to one another. So these laws of love, which were first given, yes, to the rescued, redeemed people of God, the children of Israel, they provide a way of living and loving that those of us here this evening who are Christian, we must embrace these. We must live by these. But they also are powerfully relevant. And again, someone said this to those who wouldn't describe themselves as Christians. Because they provide a secure foundation for society. They offer a framework from the creator of life on how you can actually enjoy life. And ultimately, they point us to Jesus. So as we explore all ten, the one final thought that I just want to leave is this. We're convinced that these laws are not just to be given, to be debated and to be analyzed and to be investigated and pulled apart. They've actually been given to us to be lived. To be lived. And of course, the Ten Commandments, and people will say this, and this again will be something we'll bring out. Of course, the Ten Commandments don't cover every conceivable situation. But what they do is they lay down principles which we can then take and apply to every relationship that we are involved in. So I do hope you will plan to come along for the next 10 weeks or some of the weeks and maybe even invite others to join you. There are invitations at the back for the next 10 weeks. Uh, Take as many as you like. But let me, just as I finish, tell you something about the structure of the next 10 weeks because it's going to be a little different from usual. Uh, For the first 20, 25 minutes of each service, what we're going to do is we will introduce each commandment. Uh, We will use that particular video again at the start of next week. We will sing a little. Uh, We will include a number of of praise songs. We may watch a piece of drama from week to week. Sometimes that piece of drama will be lighthearted. Sometimes it may be a little more serious. We We may watch some video clips, listen to a piece of music. We're going to interview different people in different weeks Uh, who are connected or have a particular view on some of the commandments. Then we're going to break after about 20, 25 minutes and we're going to have coffee together. And and just an opportunity to to relate to one another and connect with one another and talk to one another. And then after about a 10-minute break, we're going to have a talk for about 20 minutes and then there will be a brief opportunity to personally respond just to some of the thoughts that we've brought out during the service. And so for the next uh, 10 weeks, communion, as we have celebrated here this evening, will actually be part of our morning service here at Windsor and and won't be part of our evening service for just the next 10 weeks. And so please do come back next Sunday night where we're going to be looking at Do Not Covet. And, And the title for next Sunday evening is Find Contentment.